Welcome everybody to episode 53 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast and the first thing that we need to do is introduce our guests so the first one we have with us is Presswitch Blue Colin Savage. Colin how are you mate? Good 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 evening. Nice to have you on and we also have Man City Fan TV Ray. Ray how are you doing? I'm doing very well, uh, Mike. Very well indeed. I've got a few days uh, on holiday with the kids. Uh, it's their Easter break a bit early from school. And so uh, we're spending a few days in Paris. Absolutely fabulous. Very well, nice. well, guys, I, I, the logical place to start is Manchester City against Fulham. Uh, that was the away game uh, on Saturday. Fulham nil, Manchester City two. Two sweet strikes from them. Most people would agree. Pretty rank defensive errors from Fulham. So that was uh, Bernardo Silva's goal uh, on the fifth minute and Aguero's goal on the 27th minute. And there was not an awful lot to talk about after that. But uh, let's just uh, get your um, impressions on that game. And we're going to start off with Colin, where you, I imagine, we're not uh, down in London for that one, but you're watching it on the box like the rest of us. Would that be right? Normally, I like to go down to Fulham if I can, but uh, I couldn't do this one, so um, I watched on the box. And um, you say the first quarter of the game, just up to the second goal, we were well in control. We, you know, we we did what people want us to do, which is go out and get the goals early. Then, if we want to sit back and take our foot off the gas, we can do that, and that's what we did. We had so many chances before that second goal went in. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne could have got a couple himself. There was that mad scramble, how we didn't score, I don't know. Oh, Gundogan had a couple of efforts, yeah. mm-hmm. um, one saved, one wide. It was all very, very simple. Of course, the, you know, after that, particularly the second half, we just kind of took off on the, off the gas. The passing was very slack. I, you know, I, I've not seen the stats for incomplete passes, but I suspect it was a lot higher than normal. And, and it just, it was though the heart had gone out of Fulham and our players could sense it. And they knew they wanted to save the energy for perhaps the bigger test to come so it, you know it I think my my, um, my tweet on the subject at the end was, I'm now going to empty my washing machine, which will give me a bit more excitement than the second half did. <laughs> um, people said, we, we, you know, we've got a lot of big games coming up. What's the point in going full tilt against a team that, well, have been relegated, basically? Absolutely. Ray, let, let, let's just uh, say a couple of things about, about each strike, because they, they were yeah. uh, lovely arrowed goals. Is, and uh, well, Talk about uh, Bernardo Silva's first one, mate. Did you get a good view of that 
Uh, yes, you did. I mean, I was at I, I was at the Fulham game. Uh, I'll say I, I do like um, going to Fulham, uh, Craven Cottage. Uh, I will uh, throw in the fact I played there in a charity game about 15 years ago. It's the I, I like uh, I like going there. Uh, I mean, it's a nice walk, usually through the park or along uh, the, the river. A very picturesque ground, and you're quite close uh, to the action. And uh, it was very interesting. I saw a picture of the Spurs new ground, and if you're right at the back. Long, long way away. And in fact, um, the nearest goal at, at Spurs is, a, it feels like the same distance as the furthest goal away at Fulham. It's that, that Spurs ground, you know, you're that far away from the action. And Fulham, you're right there. So you can see both sides, obviously, of the pitch very well. Bernardo's goal was once again, as Colin said, uh, it was from one of uh, Fulham's mistake, mistakes. And that first half of theirs, it was littered with their mistakes. Uh, they just couldn't pass that ball for Toffee. As Aguero, I think he got an assist. He just made a simple pass to Bernardo Silva, who was on the right-hand side of the, the box. And he cut in sideways. He didn't have to uh, dribble past anybody. He just went past two of their uh, defenders. And he arrowed a shot right into the corner. It didn't seem to have a lot of pace, but the, the placement was perfect. And Rico, whether it was a slightly late to get down or the positioning and the placement of the shot was so good, um, he couldn't get there. I mean, that was um, five minutes in. And a funny uh, story was after the game on the way home, I, I met some uh, fans from Dublin and it was a City fan and a Fulham fan. And they'd both been in uh, the home end. And uh, the City fan from Dublin, he he got ejected. Because as uh, Bernardo Silva scored, he jumped up to cheer and um, he gave the game away and he was thrown out and his mate had to leave as well. So I think that's probably one of the quickest ejections from a ground you'll probably get. It was only his second game. It was his second <laughs> City game. He's well, from all the way from Dublin to get well, thrown out after five minutes. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, and it carried on like that, mistakes. And Kevin had a, I think it was a cross that um, he, slightly uh, overhit and uh, well, actually went, it was nearer the goal than uh, anybody else's head and the keeper tipped it over. Uh, he had another chance when he went through and he, he, I think it was quite a weak shot. But these were generally coming from mistakes and then uh, obviously we had the uh, Aguero goal which maybe Colin wants to talk about. Yeah, well I was just going to bring uh, you in there Colin. That's uh, 14 goals in his past 14 appearances. Uh, that was sweet, that, uh, that finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it was because again it was another full mistake. Uh, I think the fullback was it, or had played so, a very aimless ball. I'm not sure he was playing it to, but he hit it very weakly backwards. Bernardo Silva pounced on it, fed in Aguero. The angle looked a bit tight, but of course, uh, you know, as we know, Aguero can score from those angles, and he just to. And it's one of those things where I never quite understood where the keeper makes himself smaller rather <laughs> than bigger, and he, and he yeah. sort of they bend over, don't they, or they go they go down without needing to, and uh, Aguero just saw the space and lashed it over him into the back of the net. And he's so good from that angle, as we said. What happened after that, Ray? Because, um, you know, as far as I was concerned, uh, there were two ways of looking at it. City in control, uh, seeing the game out, resting up uh, for the next game. Or, I guess, from another point of view, it was a total snooze fest and City missed the opportunity to stick in a hat full and increase our goal difference. Uh, how did you see that yeah. one? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I would have liked us to get another couple of goals because I want that goal difference to be significant enough 
so that if Liverpool do draw again, we can afford to lose one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, to get into double figures, I mean, Liverpool, see, Liverpool can quite easily get a, a, a good couple of games in and, sco- and and hammer 10 goals past a couple of teams and then the goal difference is gone. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from that point of view, I'm slightly disappointed that we didn't um, score some more. But on the other hand, we rested players. They took it easy. Um, we got to, you know, Fernandinho on the pitch. That was nice to see. So. Although it, we would have liked a little bit more entertainment in that second half, bar Walker hitting the post, I think, there was not really uh, much else going on um, in the second half. And it was a snooze fest uh, right at the end. Yeah, well, we got. To, it was good to see Fernandinho back. He came on on the 75th minute to replace De Bruyne. And obviously we got to, uh, well, 75 minutes in, in De Bruyne's uh, legs. Those things were positive. Um, were any standout performances at all uh, for you, Colin? Uh, Bernardo probably I thought Kyle Walker had a good game he did yeah um, Edison had to make a couple of saves but all in all it was a very undistinguished uh, Aguero did quite well yeah. obviously but all in all it was a, a pretty undistinguished afternoon for most of the players I think yeah. uh, as I've given it to Bernardo and it is good to see on the run into the real business end of a what could be a, an absolutely incredible season to have everyone back we've got Fernandinho back we've got um, Kevin De Bruyne back Mendy and company are in training apparently but um, didn't travel with the squad you know everyone's up there so um, let's hope we can keep them fit now for the next um, dozen or so games however many we've got I Um, hope it's more than a dozen Colin well I hope at least a dozen games yeah okay now for our uh, younger listeners uh, Ray just remind people uh, who was Bernard Halford and why was uh, his passing such a a big trend on, on social media even for people not associated with with City, what do you know about the man and and his contribution? Bernard Alford has been associated with City uh, in a, an official capacity, if I'm right, for over forty years, something like that. Uh, Forty-five at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. He was the. I mean, Colin probably knows more of the detail, but I think he was company uh, secretary for was it forty years or a little bit more? Yeah, um, he, he came to City from old. 73 I think it was because his the first game for which he had he, he said he had full administrative responsibility was um, the FA Cup game against fifth round FA Cup game against Sunderland uh, mm-hmm. in 1973 which we drew to all mm-hmm. Sunderland of course went on to win the cup that season yeah. and it's interesting because um, when he when he was at Oldham Ken Bates was the Oldham owner now mo- most people associate Ken Bates with Chelsea of course but uh, Bates was the Oldham owner and I've heard Bernard tell the story uh, when Ken Bates came in he sat virtually everyone so Bernard was chief cook and bottle washer and nappy changer and everything and um, Ken, Ken Bates was a very demanding chairman oh, uh, no. and his yeah <laughs> Bernard's favourite story was sat with his feet up at home and getting a call from Ken Bates one night said Bernard you've got to go down to Boundary Park and Bernard said why Ken Bates said well there's a circus camping out there and the elephants need water and <laughs> you've got the key so you need to you need to sort something out to water the elephants so Bernard said that was a typical, you know, he was doing everything in those days, but watering the elephants at Billy Smart Circus, whoever it was, um, was one of his more interesting ones. And of course, um, he came to City and, and um, he came pretty well along with Peter Swales, really. So, mm. so he was at Peter Swales' uh, side um, throughout the whole of Peter's reign and then carried on with Franny Lee and Wardle and Makin and even into 
um, definitely into Shinawatra, and I think even into Sheikh Mansour's era. Yeah. It's, it's only a, not that many years since Bernard retired, uh, but definitely into the modern era. Of course, he knew all the he knew where all the bodies were buried, and um, you know, <laughs> he's the man who often gets you know when people moan about tickets today, uh, or you know all the older ones just remember having to queue around the block when kind of Bernard was organising the ticket office, uh, which occasionally could be a bit chaotic. But uh, in those days, there was only one way to get your ticket, and that was to go to the ground for it. Apart from that, he was a lovely, lovely man. If you'd ever met him, he was the, you know, a lovely man. He had time for everyone. He had a great fund of stories. I mean, my, my memory of him is um, he invited a group of us to the team hotel the night before uh, a midweek game against Arsenal down at the Emirates. And I was living down in London at the time, so uh, we went along and he arranged for some of the players to come and sign autographs and, uh, and talk to us. And then he did a, a very long Q&A, um, which was fairly diplomatic. Um, he certainly didn't go into any salacious detail, but I'm sure he knew quite a few. And, and a personal story I've got is um, when we moved to the new stadium, when we moved to the Etihad, my son and I were on the waiting list for season tickets, didn't get them that first season. So we were buying tickets on a game-by-game basis. And one day I, I rang up the ticket office uh, to get to play Arsenal early season. And they said, oh, the system's down. Can you ring back in about 20 minutes? I said, yeah. Will there be tickets left? Oh, yeah, there'll be tickets left. Rang back in 20 minutes and, and they'd sold out, of course. <laughs> for whatever reason, I don't know, I wrote a letter to Bernard and I got a phone call <laughs> from his secretary who's received your letter and, and he just wanted to know some of the details. So I didn't shout and scream. I was, you know, I explained the details and she put me through to Bernard. She said, oh, Mr. Halford, as you've been nice, Mr. Halford said, I'll have a word with you. And he offered me two tickets, which I offered to pay for and he wouldn't take any money for. And he ended up sitting next to, of all people, Sun Jihai's brother, who can speak a word of English. <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 there's so many tales yeah. like that about Bernard. A couple of young kids, sort of not, not broke into the ground, but not maliciously, but wanted to see it. And Bernard kind of came across them and gave him a good ticking off. And then he gave him a tour. And that's the sort of guy he was. He yeah. was just a lovely, lovely guy. You know, considering he never kicked a ball for us, a bit of a legend among mm-hmm. City fans. Well, there's so many uh, stories on social media. So many people have got memories of him. Um, and I, I saw a lot on Twitter. And I used to see him uh, quite regularly at home games uh, when he was leaving. Because uh, after games, obviously, for Man City Fan TV, we're doing interviews. Um, we'd regularly go to uh, the main entrance. And Bernard would be leaving. He's all, all, always had a smile for people. If people wanted a picture, he was, uh, he'd happily uh, pose for photos. He really, really was a, a nice guy, uh, an unassuming guy, um, and very, very pleasant. And you could tell, you know, the the feeling the fans had for him at, at, at Fulham because quite a few times, I mean, the fans, I've got to say, they were absolutely tremendous, seeing him pretty much all the way through the game. Uh, and quite a few times, uh, you know, we'd come up with the rendition, there's only one Bernard Halford. Uh, and that was sung with, uh, with great gusto. And at the end of the game, Pep and the players, uh, the kids, to thank the fans they had their red and black scars I believe 1500 scars were made by uh, one of the city uh, groups and uh, placed in the away end and the, the, the players and the fan, um, and, and Pep they had the, the, the scarves on and you know that was a really touching moment as the fans uh, uh, sang uh, Bernard's name and then some of the players tossed their scarves into into the crowd uh, it was a great um, I think it was a great way to finish the game and a great way to remember Bernard yeah, and I think it was quite appropriate it was Fulham actually because obviously the chief executive Fulham is, isn't my favourite character but Alistair Mack Macintosh yeah. was chief executive city. Him and Bernard worked very closely together. So it, um, and Fulham were apparently very helpful in arranging the stars being put yeah. out. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that had a lot to do 
with with uh, Alistair's input. So I say, not not, not it wasn't my favourite character when he was at City, but um, um, good on him for doing that. I must say, yes, that was a lovely uh, way to uh, celebrate his memory. A great loss to the club, Bernard Halford. Uh, I'm sure we all agree. Rest in peace, Bernard, and and thank you for everything that you've done for Manchester City. And of course, uh, guys, with that uh, with that two nil uh, comfortable two nil when City went top of the league again didn't last for long guys because of course we were all very interested in what was going to happen next uh, Liverpool faced a pretty uh, stiff game against uh, Spurs what happened in that one Ray? Uh, <laughs> what's happened a few times this season Liverpool got their uh, customary bits of luck yeah. uh, in a game I mean I've got to be honest I was I was uh, on the Sunday I was driving over from London to Paris but uh, they got the, uh, I had to watch some of the bits and pieces afterwards but once um, Liverpool had won I wasn't that keen to watch match of the day that evening <laughs> um, but it was as I say I think that's a, is it the fourth time this season they've scored a late goal they've had that bit of luck I and mean, you can argue we uh, had bits of luck uh, scoring late goals last season and it's Liverpool's turn this season but another calamitous goalkeeping error and is that four? Rico's done one I think um, uh, obviously Lloris now you've had uh, Spironi Crystal Spironi. Palace and Heaton at, Heaton at Burnley yeah and uh, England's number one and Pickford yeah Yeah, apparently he can throw a good left hook as well Pickford if you've watched the video <laughs> last night well, if, we, if we throw a good left hook at that ball uh, at the, it the derby, yeah yeah so, it, 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 I mean, so Liverpool have had the luck Spurs and they rolled the luck as well because Spurs had uh, apparently enough opportunities to kill that game yeah. they're they're on terrible run of form now Spurs that's is it four defeats on the bounce away from home in the league yeah. Uh, yeah. terrible and that's the completely ten- dropped out of any potential title challenge well, the- to struggling to stay in the top four at the exactly. moment I mean, they've lost 10 games this season 10 league games which is absolutely I mean you, you shouldn't be challenging for top four if you're going to lose 10 games in all honesty uh, they've just been very fortunate to, to have won 20 I mean the Liverpool Spurs game I watched the full game more in hope than expectation certainly the first quarter of the game Liverpool were all over Spurs Spurs were completely disorganised Liverpool did what Liverpool do they come out like well like we did at Fulham they come out for the first quarter of the game or so 25 minutes and, and they swarm all over their opponents and Spurs just couldn't cope with it but after Liverpool scored um, Spurs started to come back into it and the first half ended up fairly even and the second half to be honest I thought Spurs battered Liverpool and how they didn't score I mean there's the, the incident now where um, with a few minutes to go Sissoko and yes. Son were two on one with Van Dijk uh, and Sissoko uh, is a bit of a you know there are times when he looks a, a decent player but most of the time he looks a complete donkey and he couldn't make up his mind what to do and Van Dijk had it so easy Van Dijk did well but he had it so easy because Sissoko couldn't make up his mind whether to pass to Son and Son would have scored uh, and that ball was on and he couldn't make up his mind whether to take his own shot by the time he made his mind to put, take his own shot he hoofed it well over the bar and then I think Deli Alley had a, uh, another chance later on and of course um, right at the death Liverpool counter-attacked and the ball fell to Salas who had a tame header which Lloris should have just gathered but he didn't he, he completely fumbled it he sort of knocked it into Alderweireld's path Alderweireld could have took, taken the swing of it you look at it in slow motion he seemed to be frightened of kicking Lloris so he kind of kept his kick back and then he decided he'd better go for it and it was too late he knocked the ball into the net so you know again a really lucky goal just when they needed it because <coughs> you know if we'd been going obviously if, if they'd have drawn that game we'd have been going into tomorrow night top of the league with a chance to open up a three point gap and you know that might have been um, that might have been enough in one sense it keeps 
Um, it keeps our attention, doesn't it? We, we know we can't afford to relax, which is probably a good thing. I, I should have known better, but uh, to, to see the celebrations by Jamie Carragher as a supposed uh, TV <laughs> pundit, I mean, that's a bit beyond the pale, that one, isn't it? I mean, we've come to expect it now, you know. I mean, I like a bit of a bit of that. To be honest, it's a shame that we don't get you know the panels are not full of city ex city players. But I think one of the nice ones, even worse than um, was J- Jamie Carragher's, was um, Klopp after the game. He went to the fans, he was clapping them. It was all pleasant. And then he, he turned around to walk off the pitch, and he noticed the camera was on him. There's a mobile uh, cameraman there filming him. So instead of walking off, he turns around and gives his boom, boom, boom. You know. Uh, throw the arm in, into the crowd to get them to cheer. And it was all done for the cameras. I mean, come on, man. Um, you, you're, what, best part of 45, 50 years old. Grow up. You know, don't, don't have to play up for the cameras. Just walk off, um, you know, and be glad of your lucky win. Um, you don't have to, you know, have it up uh, just because the camera's there. It's a thing with Liverpool, though, isn't it? Remember Brendan Rodgers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really self-conscious ball <coughs> celebration with his arm in the air and that serious face. <laughs> I, I, and Salah's the same, isn't it? You know, he scores a goal and he's got that really smug, hint of a smile, staring into the distance, sphinx like <laughs> expression on his face. You know, it just you know, do, do they practice this? Do they get a psychologist? What's to be honest, the best so, way to you know to wind people up? Or I don't, get, you know? I don't think Salah practices uh, that at all because he spends most of his time practicing his diving, uh, so he hasn't got time for this. Um, but it was interesting. Was it Salah after the game? Yeah, uh, was warning and whinging and bitching that you know this was Aguero's best season and he's only got two goals more than me, and you know, and people are having a going. What more? You haven't scored in about ten games. That's why they're having a gripe at you. And <laughs> if you want to look at a, a bit of best stats, Aguero's played something like, was it four or five games fewer than uh, Salah? And he's got two more goals. So, you know, pipe down and get your head down, score goals, and then no one will say anything. And just remind and just remind me, because I'm a bit confused, is it, are Liverpool happy to be ahead or would they prefer to be behind us? Oh. When they're ahead, it's great to have the points on board. And when they're behind, the pressure's always on City. Yeah. So, Wherever they are, look, if Liverpool were fourth in the league, they'd somehow twist that uh, into a favourable situation for themselves. Well, guys, um, it's uh, well, it just after, when we started the pod, it was just uh, after uh, six o'clock here in the morning in South Korea. I've woken up to some pretty interesting scores, Colin. The first one I want to talk about is the fact that our opponents, of course, on that day, Fulham, they're now relegated. 4-1 uh, loss against Watford. Uh, that's uh, Fulham down joining Huddersfield and uh, it's quite interesting isn't it that uh, most people's um, pick for who would join them uh, in the relegated three are our very next opponents um, managed by the beautiful the wonderful Neil Warnock um, Mr Warnock was in the um, was heavily in the news this week what did he have to complain about well, I think for once he had a great deal to complain about. It was quite funny that game. Again, I watched that game. Uh, and Cardiff played very well. They went 1 0 up. And the Chelsea fans were um, not very complimentary about their manager, shall we say, um, singing, We want Sarri out. And I was sat there thinking, if Chelsea score two goals, they're going to look very stupid. And of course, the um, Chelsea did score two goals. One of them was, I can't remember the first or second, but it was very controversial because. This one. Well, the first one, wasn't it? Yeah. Ball came in from a, a corner of, and. Um, I can't remember who headed it in, but anyway, whoever it was, uh, you know, a good 
yard offside uh, when the ball was played in and um, the Cardiff players obviously protested but the linesman's excuse afterwards was that uh, Willian had been obstructing his view but but you know he should have been in a position where he he could have seen what was happening I it, think it was very a- harsh uh, I, I mean I watched the sorry Colin like football where they had the virtual reality and it was very difficult for the linesman to um, see in a straight line because Willian was blocking yeah. his uh, straight line yeah, view. Yeah. he'd have had to either stayed at the corner flag or, or moved further uh, up the pitch in which case he would have been able to see it in a straight line and he would have been guessing so I think on this occasion it was really really harsh on him and obviously it was one of those you'd expect quite obvious VAR moments where you needed VAR you can't get you know the linesman just cannot see through uh, William's body uh, it's just, you know and just just imagine if you had William Rooney there he's got even less chance of seeing through his body so, uh, it's, 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 you'd need eyes on stalk wouldn't you <laughs> see either side of Rooney yeah exactly so I think that's a bit harsh you can see it from the linesman's point of view you could say well he should have been in a position to, to see a crucial bit of action and certainly you know, from, from the TV camera's point of view it was very clear but but as Ray rightly said the linesman did have um, an excuse that William was blocking his view but because we know what war looks like I mean was it us uh, we beat them 5-0 and he complained about the first goal yeah something yeah and there's been a few like that where they've had a, a few put past them and he's complained about a decision for one of the goals and a decision uh, goal past us in our, in our you know in our 4-0 loss was offside or whatever it's a bit late and, yeah 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 and, and I think that, he's, he's and definitely a part my manager and, 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 yeah and that's um, that's typical Warner you know, he's yeah. always got something to say about the referee uh, and I hate managers like that I'd, I'd much rather have someone like Pep who makes his point that's in a much more subtle way or, or, you know, someone like Klopp has always got an excuse for everything. And now everyone, all anyone talks about at games is the wind. Yeah. I, I was watching another game. Um, I can't remember which game it was. And it was, uh, oh, well, the wind took that. So the wind now is responsible for every cross going astray and, you know, every pass that doesn't have enough weight on it. And that that is what he did have something to moan about. And, and it was crucial because um, they might have had a good chance of hanging on, at least for a, you know, at least for a point, maybe for all three and, and given their position at the bottom it, you know, it wouldn't wouldn't break my heart if they go down particularly um, I was kind of, when you look at I was kind of hoping it would be Burnley but uh, guys let's just look at the point situation at the bottom so you've got um, obviously Huddersfield down on 14 points Fulham now down on 17 Cardiff have got 28 and there's a five point gap between them now uh, and uh, Burnley although Cardiff have a game in hand unfortunately it's wow. against it's against us yeah. But um, there was a certain threat, I think, uh, that I read something about, uh, Colin, that Mr. Warnock made about what would happen in the game um, <laughs> against us. So what, what was that all about? Well, I don't know what he was. He was talking about playing his under twenty three teams to to hack Liverpool off. What you know? What what it's got to do with Liverpool? I'm not sure because it wasn't Liverpool. Who, it was Chelsea who beat them. I mean, I think he said he's going to play his under twenty threes to prepare his, his his squad for the next game, which was obviously more important, and he doesn't expect to get anything against City. Yeah. So so um, well, I mean, again, typical warning more. But of course, I don't know if you've seen the the news, but um, the, the electronic traffic signs around the. Yeah. Of Manchester have been announcing Manchester City versus Cardiff under 23s on went on um, is it third of April? Yeah, traffic could be busier than expect delays. So that's quite funny. <laughs> so, 
I'm sure he won't play his under 23s, and I'm sure they'll give us a, a tough game. But yeah, Cardiff uh, on 31, obviously their game in hand is tomorrow night against Thursday. Cardiff, Cardiff on 28 from 31 games. 31, Burnley 33 from 32, and Southampton 33 from 31, Brighton 33 from 30, Newcastle possibly not out of it, 35 points from 32 games. So, I mean, if we win tomorrow night, you'd say Cardiff were probably the favourites, but I, I can't say I would lose any sleep if either Burnley or Cardiff went down. Yes, absolutely. I prefer, prefer Cardiff because it's a crap away trip. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm just uh, I'm just uh, looking at another score from tonight. Now this is a this is quite an interesting one. Um, Wolves two, uh, Stratford, sorry, Manchester United one. Uh, 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 this is just getting hilarious. Uh, Ollie's at the wheel, guys. Ollie's at the wheel. They've given him his his, his permanent contract now, and um, I wonder what they're what uh, some United supporters are are thinking about that. Seems like he's gone off a cliff in the last uh, a couple of games. What do you, what did you think? Were you watching this one, uh, Colin? Uh, yes, I was actually, uh, while I was doing something else. So I wasn't sort of wholly concentrating on it. But um, yeah, again, United started off really well. We're all over walls. Got the goal. And then uh, it was um, a very easy game, actually. And um, Wolves got one back and then got a second. Uh, Ashley Young got sent off. Um, <laughs> in fact, the, the, the Wolves' second goal was, um, first or second goal, I can't remember, was an own goal from Smalling with an assist from our, our great favourite, Phil Jones. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, love you, it, you love can't it. keep a good, you can't keep a good man down. So, yeah, it was interesting. So, um, I did hear an interesting story about, um, obviously, Ole's at the wheel as the permanent manager now. I, I can't talk about my, I've been ordered not to mention my source, but. I heard the story that they offered him the job with a fairly derisory, well, relatively derisory package, salary package, and um, he turned them down. So they went to talk to Maurizio Pochettino, and um, Daniel Levy asked him uh, if he wanted to talk to United, and Pochettino said, no, I'm happy to stay here. So they had to go back to um, the driver, or, or the paperboy, as we're now calling him, and uh, make him a vastly improved offer to, to make sure they had a manager. Oh, well done, season. well done, Ollie. Um, I'm just, I, I, guys, I'm confused about their, their contract uh, policy in particular. Now, Herrera's off in, in the summer, apparently going to PSG. You've got um, Pogba, who's uh, making desperate eyes. Well, they're both making desperate eyes at each other with Zidane at uh, Real Madrid. And they've given contracts to these guys, Smallings and uh, Smalling and, and Jones. And oh, what, what on earth is that guy doing, Ray, for, with, the, with, the, with, these, with these contracts? I mean, has he got eyes in, in his head at all? What's going on? It's, it's crazy. I mean, you, you wonder whether he's actually thrown his uh, L plates away. Uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> I think they need, they need, I think he needs to redo his test. Is that three games on the banks they've lost? You know, and it's, it's it's a funny one. If Woodward had waited a little bit longer before giving uh, him the permanent uh, job, he might have thought twice about it. You know, losing three on the banks and from looking like they were going to get top four, now they're going to they're back in that position of struggling to get top four. Um, and I think for for me it would be extremely funny if both Spurs and United failed yeah, <laughs> uh, would just, uh, that really would make my day uh, I think, I think we're going to talk I'm, about it I don't think that's likely but I, you never know Wolves haven't won a few more games and, and they couldn't challenge instead because uh, it'd be nice to see Chelsea miss out as well but yeah, I mean, I don't know what Solskjaer's doing. I think he had a 
we'll, we'll know better next season, but I think he had a good run of luck. Nice, big manager, uh, new manager, Banks, when he came. And the stats looked very good, winning 14 out of 19. They got damn lucky against PSG. Uh, PSG really manhandled their own uh, chances of um, getting through that tie. You know, they chopped their own um, feet off in that game. Uh, so I think he's got lucky, and maybe now we're seeing what he's really like. Um, so I think next, I mean, you know, I can't remember who said he'll be uh, gone. Was it Ian Bishop? Ian Bishop said he'll be yeah, gone by Christmas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Guys, let's just look at the uh, situation. Um, obviously, we know who number one and number two are, but uh, Arsenal move above uh, Spurs now. Arsenal on sixty-three points in third, two points ahead of uh, Tottenham, and Tottenham and United. Uh, level on uh, 61 points and uh, Chelsea a point behind of course uh, Wolves and Watford uh, as as well as they've done they're way off the pace but um, how would you see it who is going to uh, miss out uh, in the top four places Uh, I'll give that over to uh, Colin where would your money be well, that's, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, I, I, I do a prediction for King of the Kipak, and I had Arsenal and Chelsea in fifth and sixth places, but Chelsea then Arsenal in fifth and sixth places. So I had Spurs and United in the top four. Looking at it now, Arsenal have surprised me. Uh, Emery's done a lot better uh, than I thought he would in his first season, considering they don't really, uh, their defence is still awful. So uh, Arsenal look um, quite well set at the moment for getting m- maybe third spot, because we don't know how it's going to go. It's so tight. United have played the extra game course. As Ray said before, Spurs are on this terrible run where they can barely get a win. They're, they're about to play the first game in the new stadium, so we don't know how that will impact them, because obviously they didn't do very well at Wembley when they moved there. And, and someone once told me that a, a, a player said, a stadium's quite important. When you play in your own stadium, you, you, you kind of use the stadium for physical cues about, you know, where to strike balls and, and you know, it, it sounds a bit, all a bit, you know, weird and intangible, but you get used to using the stadium knowing you know what to aim at and, and just things like that silly things like that so, so you know Spurs going into the new stadium now they've got used to Wembley um, may affect them and on this terrible run so you can see them dropping out the race Chelsea as they were a little bit lucky against Car- well a lot lucky against Cardiff uh, and there seems to be a lot of unrest there with no one seems to know how long if or how long Sarri will last there so, so Arsenal at the moment look fairly safe for one of the two spots in the top four. They, Tottenham, United and Chelsea are a bit like the Keystone Cops for that fourth position, aren't they, Ray? Each each of them gets in what looks like a very strong position and then they took it away. I mean, I'm, I mean, people are talking that Arsenal have got um, the easiest uh, running, but if I'm right, I think they've got five, has it still got five away games Arsenal and only two at home? It looks, I had a quick look at it this morning, um, so, it, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised, I think they've got a tougher running than people are, are actually saying. I mean, Collins, uh, I can see eagerly having a check. But that was just off the top of my head. I, and, and so it's, I'm just, you know, I don't think anything's a given because Arsenal's defence is pretty poor and they can, you know, give up goals at any moment. So it's, I think if, if I had a choice, I, I would want Arsenal and Chelsea to make it. Uh, I just love the idea of um, Spurs not making it with that new stadium to pay yep. for, losing out on 30 or 40 million quid. Uh, that'll be a laugh. Uh, United missing out on Champions League would be a hilarious too. 
you know, with all their history and, and everything else. Um, so for me, yeah, I'd like Arsenal and, and Chelsea and, and for them <coughs> to give Harry another season. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Colin, I yeah, also have got five away games, by the way. So mm-hmm. they've got to go to Everton, Watford, yeah. Wolves, Leicester, none of which will be easy games. So yes, that's just 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 going to ask you, Colin, if you thought that there was anybody else uh, that could make um, make a bit of a run and 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 make it into the uh, the Europa League places. Well, well, that's an interesting battle, isn't it? Because at the moment we've got because obviously we won the League Cup, the Carabao Cup, UEFA uh, Europa League goes down to sixth place. And of course, if we win the FA Cup, it goes down to seventh place. Yeah. But also Wolves and Watford, one of those will be in the final. So so one of those could win it and get, get that spot. But there are five points between five teams for that. If we win the Cup, then seventh, whoever finishes seventh, gets into the Europa League. So And there's five teams. So there's Wolves on 47, Watford on 46, Leicester on 44, Everton on 43, and West Ham on 42. But I can't see West Ham. Uh, they're very inconsistent under Pellegrini. Greeny, aren't they? Which shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone, really, mm. having seen um, you know, his, his, certainly his last season with us. Wolves look very strong at the moment. Watford are going well. Uh, Leicester under Brendan Rodgers have picked up. So, yeah, that could be a really interesting race. Uh, and to be honest, yeah, I think Brendan Rodgers would fancy himself in the Europa League. <laughs> oh, he um, fancies uh, himself, all right. He fancied himself in the Northern Premier Valorama League, wouldn't he? But, but, but you, you can see Brendan Rodgers making a good go of of, um, a, a tournament like the Europa League he will take it seriously Watford you think maybe not Wolves I think will also take it seriously so so that's a really interesting fight. I mean you would have expected Everton perhaps to be a bit further up there but but they're not far off and it's interesting isn't it this um, quality now we've got under the top six Wolves, Watford, Leicester, Everton certainly those four West Ham should be up there and you look at teams like Crystal Palace and Newcastle and you think well they should be doing a bit better than they they shouldn't be looking over the shoulder really and, and if anyone in the top slicks slips up you know Chelsea going to meltdown and Spurs going to meltdown uh, and, and when we're talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer of course uh, what does it remind you of Stuart Pearce yeah. <laughs> Wolves are doing so well uh, Colin they've even there. Are, some people are even beginning to tout Nuno Espirito Santo I'm genuflecting um, and they're actually picking him as the next uh, Chelsea manager after they get rid of Sarri it's a, 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 it's a bit strange isn't it you wonder who would want the Chelsea job to be honest because well, it's well, it, it, I mean, you know, it, it's a toxic job, isn't it? Um, absentee Colin, owner. Yeah, right. Sorry. Sorry. It's it's one of the best paid jobs going because you get oh, a yeah. contract. You stay, you know, on, let's say, six million a year. You stay one year. You get your two years paid up. You walk off with 18 million quid. Mm. Now, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure if I offered you that, you know, Colin, um, you might even consider it. Well, I'd, I'd certainly give it a shot on yeah. basis, yeah. But uh, you're, you're talking about the Chelsea job. You think about it. So they've got a revolving door. They've got um, a che- they've got Marina Gramskaya and she can't get a director of football in because they all know that she wants to do the transfers herself. Yeah, I mean it, it really looks like a poison chalice. Sari will be well out of it, you know, whenever he gets clear uh, and, and and gets his payoff because he he will be fired. Of course, I don't think he's stupid enough to resign. But uh, yeah, I wonder where Mourinho is going to ro- rock up next. So. 
what listening to the transfer window podcast and they were they were they were sort of half joke but joking that uh, wolves uh, you know should should uh, Spirito Santo go to Chelsea then you've got half the Portuguese uh, national team at, uh, at, at, at wolves I mean and, and of course his favorite agent you know in control of things and pulling the strings there um, but I, I think that might be a step down uh, for, uh, for 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 Mr Mourinho I think he took the the Mickey out of Pellegrini once when he said the difference between me and Pellegrini is that I wouldn't go uh, to you know when I when I leave a job I don't you know go to wherever it was he was uh, in 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 Spain which team did he manage in Spain Malaga he said that he, he wouldn't ever manage a team like Malaga but uh, it's it's going to be fascinating to see all of this uh, comical drama in the uh, in, in the summer uh, our next game guys of course is against Cardiff and uh, we're looking at a really hectic set of fixtures uh, in 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 April this, this really is going to be our test uh, guys isn't it because Cardiff and then we've got obviously the semi-final of the FA Cup against uh, Brighton another uh, wonderful uh, trip to uh, Wembley or not depending if you're kind of sick of the, the sight of that place but then uh, of course quarterfinals uh, away at Tottenham and then the game against Crystal Palace Tottenham again in the in in the second leg of the quarterfinals Tottenham again uh, at home in the league and, and then the derby and the uh, against United and and then finishing off on the 28th of April with an away game against uh, Burnley so what are what are your feelings uh, Colin about this stack of games that are coming up well I mean uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again every game's a cup final now isn't it mm-hmm. I, I mean every game is a cup final I mean in fact you could probably argue that the Brighton game on, on um, Saturday is our least important game this season if we're going to lose out on one thing at this point you take the FA Cup Mm-hmm. wouldn't you you know if someone, someone said you could only have two of the three you'd take the FA you, you'd give them the FA give up the FA Cup so, so Brighton in some ways is the least important game I hope the players don't kind of fall into that mindset because obviously we we want a trip to Wembley and, and that doesn't get in the way of anything so it's not like giving us a, an extra game in the middle of a crowded fixture schedule but obviously the two Tottenham games of course you can afford to the Champions League game we could afford to draw both those games of course you know two all at Spurs and, and one all at home and we're through you know we could even afford to lose one of them. So, you know, you've got to look at that over two legs. Watching it in that first quarter against Liverpool, I was thinking we'll, we'll, we'll murder this lot. But then they played very well for the second, for the kind of the, the rest of the game, particularly the, the second half. So, so you know, we know that's going to be a difficult game, but I think we've got enough for them. I, I, I think, like you know, I've heard other people say, the, the games that people are most worried about are the away games at Birmingham and Crystal Palace. Yeah, where we 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 dropped points last season at both those games, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, funny enough, the game at, I think we mentioned this before, but the game at Crystal Palace is the same day that Liverpool played Chelsea. Chelsea Anfield. And of course, that brings back memories of a certain weekend in 2014. Mm, absolutely. It slipped my mind. It slipped my mind. It slipped your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were at the bar, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, could be, that could be an interesting one. But yeah, if we win, certainly if we win all our league games, if we win the, if we win the, uh, we don't know how the Spurs game, obviously is going to, the Spurs Champions League ties, is going to pan out. But we, you know, we, I think we'll be fairly hopeful of um, getting through that one. 
if, if, if by some chance we, we do fail to get past Spurs in the Champions League, gives us a little bit of a respite, I suppose. But I think we all prefer to win that game and actually, yeah. you know, uh, play Ajax or, or Juve, whoever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the derby looked like a much tougher game than, uh, a few weeks ago than it does at the moment, I would say. But, mm-hmm. but the, the, you can never take the derby for granted, of course. But I think we played, you know, we played better Manchester United teams and, and won. Yeah. We've also played worse and lost. So I, I mean, I think the, the players would rather keep playing every three or four days. You yeah. know, you can talk about tiredness and mental fatigue and, and, and you know physical fatigue, but I think the the players are probably looking at it and saying, you know, we can focus game by game, fourteen games. Left this season maximum, and we, we take it game by game and see where we are at the end of the season. And I think you know not having to train heavily is probably an advantage. Uh, playing every three or four days, although it, it can appear problematic, I, I expect us to rest a couple of players against Cardiff. And I think for every game we will be able to ro- rotate. I wouldn't want to rotate more than two or three players, but I think we're in that position where we can, you know, for instance, we can go into the Cardiff game and we can rest KDB. He's had 75 minutes, he's just come back from injury uh, and he can be left on the bench and we're in the position to be able to do that and maybe uh, let Mahrez have a game. Um, But, uh, you know, as I said, I wouldn't want to rotate more than two or three at a time, but uh, uh, the players must must be really, really looking forward to the rest of the season and this is really what you've got to look forward to and this is, you know, when you you're younger you want to win lots of trophies and create history and fingers crossed we can create a little bit more history this year yeah because um, you know when you've got that fixture pile up at Christmas it seems a long season doesn't it yeah. but the end's in sight you know the light's at the end of the tunnel Play, the players must know if they win games now it's a game nearer the, you know the, the ultimate achievement so um, uh, you know and it's getting a bit warmer uh, not not it was today mind you but um, you know the weather's getting a bit better it's a bit lighter Mm-hmm. The end's in sight. There's no big tournaments this summer. Um, oh, uh, there's AFCON, isn't there? But we're only losing Mares to that, I think. But but most of the players have got a summer off, bar the um, you know the, the 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 kind of the tour, pre-season tours or whatever, pre or post-season tours. So you know they know they've got to put, as you say, training is light. There's no major training. Everyone should be fit. I I, I didn't expect Aguero to play tomorrow night anyway. Yeah. But you know he's got a bit of a niggle, so they're going to sit him on the bench anyway. If we need him, we could bring him up potentially, but um, I, I didn't expect him to start anyway. You know, you can perhaps give KDB another hour, get another hour into his legs, mm-hmm. um, give Fernandinho a start. Yeah, you know, we've got options now, haven't we? You know, uh, I'm not sure. Stones, um, Stones and... Um, you know, we've got options at the back. Stones, Laporte, yeah. Otamendi. Um, you know, we're not looking at playing Delph as centre-back or, you know, anything like that. Zinchenko's doing a great job at left-back. Mendy may get a few minutes. Um, things, you know, from that point of view, you know, everything's in our favour, isn't it? Pretend for the moment. Guys, just a couple of uh, quick items I wanted to finish off with um, from the Twitter sphere. Here's an interesting one. Jaden Sancho is Manchester United's top priority for the summer. Uh, he would cost £100 million a Apparently, if Dortmund and United were to reach an agreement, Dortmund have to notify City because they have got uh, an option. Apparently, City are unlikely to match any offer, but I think we would get fifteen million or so out of that deal. What do you I think, think we get? Don't we get? Don't we get forty percent if he goes to United? No, that's the Brahim Diaz. That's Brahim. Oh, Brahim Diaz. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I thought he was Sancho. 
Uh, but of, of yeah, course, fifteen fifteen million for doing nothing. Can't, can't complain about that, can you? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. How would you feel about uh, Sancho playing for United, uh, Ray? Don't care. Honestly, don't care. Um, he has no allegiance to City. You know, he he came from was it Watford up to City. Uh, he's looking out for himself. Good luck to him. Uh, I think a hundred million pounds is way too much. If United wants to pay it, good luck to them. I'll still say, if Sancho had stayed, maybe we wouldn't have got Mares, but he wouldn't be a first choice at City. If United think he can be a first choice for them, good luck to them. But I'm happy having Sane and Sterling as my first, and Bernardo as my first choice wide men, and, and, and Sancho wouldn't get ahead of any of them. Maybe in time he will, but whoever, you know, maybe that's in a couple of years, Sancho will be pulling up trees, and whoever the, the manager is after Ole might be doing wonders for him, um, you know, but if they want him, let them take him. If it's no skin off my nose, and I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, Colin, uh, just uh, something I've seen on Twitter that uh, might make you laugh a little bit. It's a, a, a tweet that's been retweeted by Lam Booner, a Man City fan, by Henry Winter, and uh, it does go back to uh, March 28th. But it might give you a laugh. <laughs> it might give you a laugh. It says, "Fantastic news! A Solskjaer's appointment feels like Man United are at last reconnecting with the ethos of the Ferguson era." Pride in the shirt, teamwork, hunger, never giving up, being bold. It's commitment to attack, to youth, to pace, to with, to glory. Hashtag Ole's at the wheel. What is Henry smoking? <laughs> well, um, if you if you look at Twitter, uh, a certain user called Presswitch Blue uh, has taken the piss out of him a little bit for that. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so there. Uh, so I, I, I've retweeted that with Wolves two, Manchester United one. Hashtag Ole's at the wheel. <laughs> I, 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 I tell you, fact, Ole's not even the manager; he's the joint manager. Because David Moyes has still got a few months to work. Yeah, he's got months left. Uh, Can you imagine there was it four managers whilst Moyes' contract hasn't run out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, original contract. Uh, was, uh, there was gigs. Uh, yeah, Van Gaal went at the end of the season. Mourinho and and. Uh, Ollie at the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Another one that I thought I thought that was uh, very amusing was from Howard Hawkins. He's just uh, put up. <laughs> he's put up two tweets from Samuel Luckhurst. Here's the first one. He's talking, obviously, uh, about the game against uh, Wolves. Brilliant goal, says Samuel Luckhurst. That's why McTominay is playing that far forward. Superbly worked goal, superb hit. United have rumbled Wolves' setup by going with a back three. And then, literally, within the same hour, it says, Smalling a bit luckless there, but United paid the price for no one bothering to properly challenge that. This team does not have the personnel to master a back three. Mourinho knew it, and Solskjaer must very very differing opinions on uh, how Solskjaer manages uh, the uh, the the back three and of course Howard prefaces these tweets with the the classic line time moves fast time moves fast it's very very funny but uh, yeah I think that's all that I have on my little piece of paper guys are there any other little uh, snippets or points that you'd like to comment on before we uh, bring this thing to an end I was just looking at Twitter, actually. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, there's some footage of Mendy in a club till 3.30 a.m. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> now, the, the question is, was it Saturday night after the game, in which case, you know, probably m- might be okay, or was it Friday night before the game, which is why he didn't travel? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I'll tell you what, if it was Friday night, his, his days are numbered um, because of, you know, all, yeah. all the issues he had six months ago, well, 
with his attitude or whatever four five six months ago with his attitude he's walking on um, treading on thin ice um, now the one other p- bit of business was Gundogan with his contract situation and I think he was asked about it again um, and he said you know why is it I'm paraphrasing it but why is it that uh, when someone gets to one year left on his contract he either has to be uh, sold or sign a new contract why can't he said I'm old fashioned why can't I just go into my last year and sign my contract in the last year of my uh, you know sign an extension in the last year of my contract but it doesn't give me what what he said there doesn't give me um, the feeling that he's going to sign the contract you know it's one of those again I said it last season with when, with Raheem Sterling and when he wasn't signing I said when when if Gundogan's in his last year of his contract if he chooses not to sign and decides to go um, elsewhere someone's going to pay him a massive signing on bonus it could be in the region of 20 million quid and that's 20 million good reasons not to sign a new contract if that's uh, you know obviously I think at his age he wants to play more football as well um, and he's also got to be very wary that Fernandinho will stay next season and I think Fernandinho will still be number one even though he'll be 34 stroke 35 if we go and get someone like uh, England Bailey or uh, Declan Rice we're not spending 50 to 60 to 70 million quid to have them as third choice behind Gundogan so I think that's in his mind as well besides the fact that he can earn a, a hell of a lot of a, a, a bigger wage packet and a signing on bonus um, he's got to be worried that he, he could end up being third choice DM and hardly playing any you know he could be he could be the cup DM so I don't think that's where he wants to be so I think that for me was a, an interesting uh, bit of news from today yes guys I'm just seeing the uh, the pictures coming up on Twitter of Mendy in the uh, at club live in 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 town and uh, he looks like um He's having a good time. Uh, obviously not drinking, but Sam Lee's put a post up, uh, maybe having a, a wry smile at uh, Pep Guardiola dealing with the question. So he was there at 3.30am uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. Of course, he wasn't in the squad for Fulham, but yeah. he was due in for training and Guardiola... I, I, I'll, I'll just say I'd have been quite surprised if Mendy was drinking. Oh, uh, yeah. No, he's... A religious thought. Yeah, ex- exactly. I, I wouldn't think so. But, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's all... Uh, I can see that we can uh, sort of talk about. Oh. Actually, you, the thing is, the the, the further I scroll that down the Twitter timeline, um, you know, the the more things there are that we could talk about. But uh, what, what would you like? Well, of course, to... the one thing the one thing we should finish off uh, with is, of course, um, offer congratulations to referee Mike Dean because Ashley Young's red card was his hundred. Was that right tonight? And did he yeah. do did he do a little wonderful? He did he did didn't he? One of those wonderful little facial expressions, you know, like a like. He looked like a, you know, like a disappointed headmaster, and he gives the roll of the eyes. I love Mike Dean whenever he hands out cards. He's he's just he's just yeah. uh, he's just wonderful. Um, but um, so, 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 so no doubt there'll be a little celebration in the referee room <laughs> at uh, tonight. Absolutely, I'm sure, I'm sure Ashley Young will contribute a bottle of champagne or something. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, I think uh, we could go on for 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 a much longer, but we're going to have to uh, wrap it up here, and so. Uh, we'll stop as usual by thanking our our two uh, guests on the show. Uh, so first of all, uh, thank you very much, Colin Savage. I hope you've uh, enjoyed uh, the the results that, uh, that you've seen before going to bed, and looking forward to to the rest of um, April. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I say every game's critical now. So not that it isn't always, but um, <laughs> you know we're, we're counting down to the end. Yeah. Okay. And also. 
we've got to uh, thank uh, Man City Fan TV, Ray. Now, Ray, you you keep yourself under under control on social media, mate, and uh, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll keep we'll we'll have you back nice and uh, and ca- <laughs> nice and calm for for the next pod. Ah, very calm. Yeah, I I do try and keep myself under control. You know, if, if you're at uh, Wembley, Colin, I'll uh, I'll see you there for the uh, semi final, and I just want people to know. Don't worry about Burnley. I've already got my ticket. Oh, yes. <laughs> All you guys on Twitter who are worried that I might struggle to get a ticket for Burnley, I've already got my ticket. Don't worry. There's no need to send me any messages or anything. So I've already got my ticket. Really pleased. Okay. Well, thank you very much, guys, for your participation. We'll just uh, finish off there. And, and as we always say, uh, we'll be back with you after the next game. And uh, have one on us. And up the blues. Up those blues. Come on, City. It's finished at Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That really goes enough for the three points. Manchester City is still alive here.